Today on Blue 58, the Packers probably don't need to spend a high pick on either a safety or a tight end, but if they took one at some point this weekend, it probably wouldn't be that big a surprise either. So what's out there? Let's find out together. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Apologize, or I want to apologize for the lateness of this episode. You may notice it's coming out at a bit of an unusual time. That is not by design. It was a bit of a weird week at uh, Power Sweep headquarters last week. Among other things, I got the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, Pfizer edition, and so I was basically out of commission Thursday night. But there was a whole bunch of other things going on in our life. Don't worry, everybody's fine. Everybody's doing okay, but uh, it was a wild week. So we got bumped last Thursday, did not have time to make it up since then, but it is now Monday night and we are recording and we are doing so. So we make sure that we get all positions in before Thursday night and uh, the NFL draft rolls around. So you'll get an episode with uh, safeties and tight ends today. And then before the draft, you will have another episode talking about defensive linemen, as well as my predictions for what I think the Packers will and should do in the 2021 NFL draft. So let's talk about safeties then. How do we find a good safety? We use the same kind of methodology as we did for cornerbacks to look through this safety class and find some that might be of interest. Some alteration, though. Coverage grade sticking, or excuse me, relative athletic score sticking with that threshold of 8+. We want guys that are good athletes. That's what the Packers like, so that's what we're going to look for as well. We want guys who have a coverage grade from Pro Football Focus of 75+, and we only looked at the last year they were in college. That knocked some of the opt-outs out of our class, too, but there weren't really that many in the safety class either. We want ball hawks, 20 or more in a college career. Uh, We've had some internal discussion uh, among the Power Sweep Discord members over whether or not we should do average or total. Uh, There's some interesting cases to be made for average uh, per season at a certain threshold. I like the the volume uh, for right now, but I I like that approach as well. So we're going to stick with 20 or more ball hawks. What does that yield us then? A pretty small group of safeties. Uh, There is but one safety who meets all three of those thresholds, and he is my absolute favorite name in the entire draft, Divine Diablo out of Virginia Tech. 6'3", 223, big safety, relative athletic score of 803, 20 and a half ball hawks in his college career, and a coverage grade of 84.4. What do you like about Mr. Diablo? Overall athleticism is great, former wide receiver, so he's got it in spades, And you love his size at 6'3", 223. Rarely do you see a college safety that big. What's not to like, though, is a big question mark about what he is exactly. What is Divine Diablo exactly? Is he a safety in the NFL? Is he a linebacker? Is he kind of a hybrid tweener type? He's also a little bit older. He's going to turn 23 before the start of the next season. And the Packers do tend to love their younger guys. Experts are kind of split on him along those lines. Yeah, he's big and physical, but what is he exactly? Dane Brugler says he's a big and physical safety with reactive athleticism to fill up the stat sheet. However, while he is balanced in his movements, his play recognition tends to be inconsistent, and he lacks explosiveness to recover once separation is created. Pro Football Focus puts it like this. His size really offers little in the way of value anymore when it comes to the deep safety position in the NFL. I tend to agree there. He'll more than likely have to be around the line of scrimmage next year, and he's still a good deal of a projection as a pure linebacker. That is fair as well. 
What is Divine Diablo exactly? I don't know. But with that size and that athleticism, you can probably find a space for him somewhere. That takes care of it for Tier 1 safeties. Tier 2 is also pretty sparse. Not quite so sparse as that, but uh, among the guys that um, we looked at, nobody who hit on the athleticism threshold also hit on coverage grade and ball hawks, or, or ball hawks, I should say. So the next tier is just guys that hit on the coverage grade and the ball hawks total. So these guys aren't going to be super athletes here. Starting with Talanoa Hufanga out of USC, 6'1", 215. So if you like blocky safety, boxy safeties, as I do, um, you're in, in, in good shape here. Relative athletic score of 574, 22 and a half ball hawks in his college career and an 86.8 H coverage grade, best in the class among the safeties we're looking at. So I do like thicker safeties that can play down in the box, and he does seem like that, got a good bit of height at 6'1 as well. You do need to have some track stars in the back at some point. The Packers seem to have that in Darnell Savage right now, but how are things going to shake out in Joe Barry's new defense? We don't exactly know just yet. What's not to like about Hufanga is his athleticism. 5'7'4 is a big miss for me. We do have the caveat of these times coming from pro days, but that cuts both ways, and we've talked about that a little bit before. I think this year we're less likely to be, less apt to be thrilled about big scores and more likely to put some red flags on on bad scores. If you can't test well on your home turf, getting the home cooking from the scouts, running the show, that's a bit of a red flag. So coming up with a 574 at your own pro day is uh, is not a great deal. Scouts are cautious, um, but I'd say optimistic about Hufanga. Dane Brugler says he's a tough, instinctive safety, points out that injuries are a concern. He has missed at least seven games in his college career. Pro Football Focus says he can be effective as an underneath zone defender, but that's probably about it. And there is your downside to the thicker-built, more linebacker-esque safeties. Most of them tend to be better closer to the line of scrimmage, but that's about all you got. Next up is Trey Norwood out of Nebraska. He's a six foot, hundred and ninety four pound prospect, a relative athletic score of just two uh, two point seven, not good, but twenty one ball hawks and a coverage grade of eighty six point five, second best in the class. Um, those testing numbers, though, are scary. Terrible agility numbers. Not going to throw those at you. It's really hard to contextualize you if you don't know contextualize them if you don't know exactly what you're looking for. But agility numbers being bad at a pro day are usually the result of being really unathletic on the one hand or having really poor technique on the other, because that is the sort of thing that you can practice and improve. And if you're not improving, either you're really unathletic to begin with, or you're bad at preparing. And both of those are big, big red flags, pretty limited player. Uh, the scouts seem to think so, at least. Pro Football Focus says outside of splash plays, Norwood is limited in what he can do at the safety position. Uh, one can only chalk up so much to his first year playing the position. want to tug on that thread here just for a second. Because Mr. Norwood was a corner his first two years at Nebraska. He, so he played corner in 2017 and 2018, he converted to safety after the 2018 season, so playing spring ball, he was he was going into that fall, preparing to play as a safety that year, but tore his ACL and missed all of 2019. 
now coming back. His first year back was 2020. Played good, but not great. He's looking like a bit of a value guy from that perspective, or he could just be damaged goods at this point too. But you could argue that his his stock is still on the way up. You may still be buying low on Trey Norwood. Spin it however you like. That's the Trey Norwood story. Story. Tariq Thompson's next guy up here, South Dakota or South uh, San Diego State University. Um, six foot two ten, relative athletic score, a laughable 0.33. But 40 ball hawks and a coverage grade of 78.8. You gotta love those plays on the ball. Eleven interceptions, 23 pass breaks up, breakups, one fumble forced, and uh, one sack for good measure in his time as an Aztec. Was not to like, well, even worse agility numbers than Mr. Norwood just a few moments ago. That's a big concern. Uh, Dane Brugler calls him an average athlete by NFL standards, but says his intelligence and intangibles may ease concerns. Not sure that they will. Um, Safety's got to be good athletes at a certain point. And uh, Thompson is not that. If you're just an average athlete, you're probably looking at a special teamer for life. Finally, I think this is finally. Yep, that's it. Among safeties, Lee, the best to the tiers two safeties here. 6-2-2-0-2, a relative athletic score of 7-3-7. 30 ball hawks and a coverage grade of 77.2. He is pretty much the total package. Other than Divine Diablo, he's really the only guy that's come close to hitting all three of the metrics. Um, good size, bit light. If you're thinking of him as a tweener prospect, a guy who could play a little bit of linebacker too. But still... Uh, pretty decent size at 6'2", 202. He's good at a lot of things, but not great really at anything, though. Ballhawks, that is a pretty stellar number there. That is the difference, though, between him and Divine Diablo. Diablo hits that elite threshold at 8.03 in terms of relative athletic score. His coverage grade is much higher, a little bit fewer in the Ballhawks department, but sometimes you just don't get that many opportunities. Dane Brugler says he is a pattern match corner or safety, excuse me, safety um, in the mold of a Jesse Bates. He projects as an immediate starter, single high or split safety, and a special teams contributor. That pattern match um, designation should be of interest to Packers fans because because that is a part of the Joe Barry uh, sort of Vic Fangio scheme. You're going to be doing pattern matching on the back end. That is to say you're not strictly just playing a zone on the field. You're going to try to play in a zone, but then match the pattern, that's why they call it pattern matching, of any receiver who comes into your neighborhood. So, hence, pattern matching. If Morig is the kind of guy who can do that, he may be of interest to the Packers. But um, if he's a little bit limited athletically, and 737 is, is borderline, if not elite, um, there may be some concern there. So there you go. Safeties, five of them. Some big concerns, uh, but a couple solid prospects too. Looks like if the Packers are going to take one, they probably got to get one before the end of the third round. What about tight ends? Methodology here is similar to wide receiver, looking at relative athletic score, height adjusted speed score, catch percentage, yards per target, and team target percentage. We want the relative athletic score at 8 or higher, uh, height-adjusted speed score of 100 or more, catching 64% of passes or more, because it's a relatively good pool to pull from, 10-plus uh, yards per target, 
and catching 15% or more of his team targets. Tier 1 has one guy all by himself. You can probably guess who it is. It's Kyle Pitts, but a small asterisk there we had to round up on the team targets. He only had 14.3%, but with a prospect like him, I think we can make the exception. Plus, we rounded up on a couple other guys just so we had more than like two tight ends to talk about. We were a little bit generous on the grading here just because I wanted to make sure we had a good pool of guys to talk about. 65245 for the Florida product, a 966 relative athletic score. Look, there's no chance the Packers are going get to get Kyle Pitts unless they trade way up, and they're just not going to do that. But he's everything. He is athletic. He is explosive. Um, Florida coaching staff, according to Dane Brugler, said he was a unicorn. It's hard to argue. Um, Pro Football Focus says he'd be a first-rounder even if you considered him solely as a receiver. How many pass tight ends can we say that about? Not very many. The only thing not to like about Kyle Pitts is whether or not, wondering whether or not the expectations may be too high. Can he possibly live up to the sort of hype that he has generated coming out of Florida? I would say probably not, but nobody really can. But whoever or whatever he ends up being in the NFL, you know, allowing for injuries and stuff like that, uh, he is probably going to be a special, special player. So there's Kyle Pitts. Tier two, hitting four of our five metrics, is Kylan Granson out of Southern Methodist University. Big asterisks here because we had to round up on a couple things. And I, I did this unintentionally because I just wanted to expand the pool a little bit. But he hit on four of five because we rounded up on catch percentage. He had 63.5% of the targets that came his way he caught. He averaged 9.7 yards per target. We rounded that up to 10 just to get him in the pool again. And then he caught 14.9% of the targets of his team as a whole. So, yes, he hit on four of five. He only hit on one of them outright, though. So... Kylan Granson, what do we make of him? Interesting prospect. I like him a little bit as a do-it-all type, but 6'1", 241, a relative athletic score of 7.72. Why is his height and weight especially relevant to the Packers? Well, for a normal tight end, he may be a little bit on the small side, but there may be something there. What is that something? Well, Listen to what Dane Brugler says of him. Quote, overall, Granson will need a hybrid role to see consistent offensive snaps in the NFL, but his receiving skills and versatility are an intriguing combination for an NFL H-back, end quote. Now, I don't think that they're going to spend another top 100 pick on a guy like this, but Josiah DeGora, Dominic Daphne, Jay Sternberger even, all play that kind of H-back sort of role. If the Packers are really in love with that kind of role, and I think they are, they may be looking to draft another one. And if they want another one, they've got more options. Let's talk about Briley Moore out of Kansas State, a little bit bigger, 6'4", 240, an elite athlete, a relative athletic score of 903. And he liked his athleticism a lot at that size, a bigger H-back type. You don't like that he is small, but that doesn't matter so much per se because he's probably projecting as that H-back type. I should note that we are now in Tier 3. He had on three of the five metrics here. Uh, had to fudge a little bit on a couple of them, but he does end up in um, making the cut uh, in everything but yards per target 
Uh, he rounded up, excuse me, on yards per target. He missed on catch percentage and team targets. But again, playing the kind of role that he does, I'm not worried about him not being a huge part of the offense there at Kansas State. And is a, as well a former small school guy who transferred to um, Kansas State and uh, now is headed towards the NFL. I think Dane Brugler nails it when talking about more. Uh, just as a big, smooth athlete with the body control to operate underneath and work in the seam. He plays with the competitive edge, but his game requires more polish, especially as an inline blocker. If the Packers took a guy like Moore, they're not looking at him as an inline blocker. He's going to come out of the backfield, going to chip on guys as an H-back, kind of as a wing behind probably another tight end. Uh, But there is a role for him on a team like the Packers. Hunter Long is an interesting prospect um, as we move to our next tight end here. The Boston College product uh, is a more of a traditional size for a tight end. 6'5", 265, good athlete at 8.6 relative athletic score. And I like that he is a little bit more of a traditional tight end build. The Packers are going to need one of those sooner or later. Mercedes Lewis may in fact be able to pr- play forever. But on the off chance that he can't, the Packers are probably going to need another one like him sooner or later. Hunter Long is at least in that mold. Nobody's going to be able to block like Mercedes Lewis. But Long projects there a little bit more easily than some of these other guys that we are looking at. What's not to like about Hunter Long, though, is that he's not much as a receiver. In college, he averaged just 7.4 yards per target. That's a big old nope for me. For comparison, Richard Rodgers averaged 6.4 yards per target for his career in Green Bay. So if the upside of your receiving game is slightly better than Richard Rodgers, um, you have some concerns there about your receiving prowess. However, in, as somebody in that traditional inline tight end role, long may it be about the best that you've got. Finally, Brevin Jordan rounds out our tight end group, the Miami product, 6'2", 241, relative athletic score of just 454, though. Long-time contributor at Miami, 30 catches each of the last three years, but he has missed seven games due to injury in his college career. I want to talk a little bit about what both of our expert opinions say about him, though. Uh, Dane Brugler says, overall, Jordan needs to become a more detail-focused tight end as a blocker and a route runner, but he has the athleticism and ball skills to be a three-level pass-catching threat. He projects similarly to Irv Smith as a move tight end products prospect. If you talk about a guy who's going to be a move tight end, a guy who can move around, play out in the slot, split out wide, I think you're looking for a little bit more than just marginal athleticism. So I would push back there on Brugler's assessment. However, um, there is another way to kind of be a little bit off base here about, about Mr. Jordan. Pro Football Focus says Jordan still looks like a running back, only now that running back is Derrick Henry. Jordan has a very clear path to success in a Shanahan-Kubiak scheme that runs its tight ends on a lot of drags, flats, and seams where speed and yak are king. The problem is he'll have to prove to defenses that he's a legit inline threat first. Actually, no, he won't. If you're running the Shanahan-Kubiak scheme, think about what a guy like um, Robert Tunyon does. Now, Tunyon's not the biggest tight end in the world. He's bigger than almost everybody we've looked at here other than Hunter Long, but he's only a 6'3", 6'4", 230, 240-pound tight end. He's like a like a tall H-back, more than a, a fullback type. 
but he doesn't really have to operate as a guy on the line of scrimmage. He's operating behind the line of scrimmage in the flat a lot. If you're talking about that uh, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, I guess Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay type scheme, those guys don't have to work on the line of scrimmage. You can be an effective blocker in that position without putting your hand on the ground next to a tackle. You can be a guy who chips behind another tight end. You can be a guy who lines up as a fullback and leads through a hole. As long as you're a willing blocker, they can find ways to use you. And if you're blocking split zone, it's even that much easier. All you got to do is block kind of against the flow and cut off whoever is on the backside of the line. Robert Tunyon does that really well. And look, he's had to grow a little bit, but you don't have to be a legit inline threat, as Pro Football Focus says, to thrive in that role. That's just not really how that position works. And so a guy like Henry Jordan or uh, Brevin Jordan or Briley Moore or Kylan Granson could thrive in that kind of role for the Packers. They don't have to be guys that line up right on the line. Now, are the Packers going to draft a tight end? Maybe, maybe not. I lean towards not, but there is value to be had there at multiple different kinds, with multiple different kinds of tight ends, and I think that is encouraging. Uh, If the Packers go that route on day three, maybe late day two, they could find a guy who can fit into their scheme. I would be a little bit nervous of using another third-round pick on a Josiah DeGuara-like player, but if we get to round five, round six, and there's somebody like that out there, shoot, there's a special teamer for you. There's another good athlete for you to run around on the field. You can find a place for that. Day three picks are kind of flyers anyway. Might as well take a flyer on somebody who's important in Matt LaFleur's offense. So I've got for you in this episode. Do appreciate listening in. There will be another episode in your feed very quickly as we wrap up our our preparation for the 2021 NFL Draft. If you enjoyed this episode, thank you so much for listening. I hope you will share it with somebody else because that's how we're going to continue to grow this conversation that we're enjoying together about the Green Bay Packers and ultimately how we're all going to become smarter Packers fans, me included. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.